Hey there, I'm Justin Zyduck. I'm Jim Cannon, and you're listening to The Iron Age of Comics, a critical reevaluation of comic books from about 1985 to 2000. <laughs> Although, maybe not always. <laughs> so, um, it's another skip week, and time for another bonus episode. In this installment, instead of talking about one of those fifth week titles or events, I thought we'd go for something a little further afield. Something that no one could predict, but which also would not merit the attention of a full episode, but hopefully it'll be fun to talk about in one of these shorter installments. And so, Justin, I want to discuss one of the beloved comic books of my youth, the saga of Kristar, the Crystal Warrior. Now, it says in my notes here, pause for laughter. Um, oh, oh, oh I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. In, in my notes call for a stunned silence, I, I think. Yeah. E- so. <laughs> either one is appropriate, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, d- technically, this is one of those titles that is outside our purview, coming as it does from 1983. But I got to admit that the whole fifth week thing is already getting tiresome, <laughs> at least for me. And I think we can we can kind of open up this space to do things that we otherwise wouldn't do in the in the main feed. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Um, I will I will admit this was definitely the the last thing that I expected you to pick for this. <laughs> like, not you know not, not not to make out like I have some kind of you know I've been harboring some kind of deep anti Christar sentiments all this while. <laughs> I just, I just never would you know I would have never considered it. I did not get into the podcasting game to. Do Chris? I was not prepared for Kristar, right? <laughs> <laughs> no one expects the Kristar, the Crystal Warrior. Yeah, and and you know when, when you brought this up, you said like, oh, you know, it's it's just a suggestion or whatever. We don't have to do it. But like, I was so intrigued by the request that I felt like I, I had to, <laughs> I had to yes and this, right? So and and, uh, and I appreciate that. <laughs> so yeah, let, let's let, let's do it, Kristar. I am I am open to the experience. <laughs> okay, so what is up with Kristar? Yeah, what is the story of Kristar? So I was eight years old when this comic book premiered and pretty much a die-in-the-wool fantasy fan already. I had my own set of polyhedrons for exploring dungeons and fighting dragons, and I'd read The Lord of the Rings, so Kristar was pretty much right up my alley. The fact that there was also a toy line associated with the book did not hurt at all. Hmm. Now, Marvel had some history doing toy-related comics, What's weird, though, is that unlike Micronauts, ROM, or G.I. Joe, Kristar was developed in-house by Marvel before being licensed out to a toy company. It looks like Marvel was trying to reverse engineer the success of those other properties with the added bonus of actually owning the rights to all the characters and concepts. Yeah, uh, this, uh, I looked it up, uh, this predates Transformers, um, but it should be noted that like a lot of the Transformers concepts came from Marvel. Like Hasbro came to them with, you know, these cars and planes from Japan that turned into robots. And they said, you know, like, can you come up with some kind of explanation for like why these things happen? Right. Like even just like the idea that they are alien robots or whatever, that comes from like people at Marvel sitting down and working this stuff out. The name Optimus Prime, right? Like that's a, that comes from Denny O'Neill. That was like one of his few contributions that made it into the final product. Um, Megatron is a Bob Budiansky. A lot of the stuff is Bob Budiansky, and he still gets asked about it like today at conventions. And he's like, I, 
I I'm glad that you I'm touched or whatever, but like I just don't. You know, <laughs> this this is a job, and I like I did it, and then I forgot about it, and then you know, thirty years later, people are still asking me. So like that's cool, but but yeah, yeah. Well, Larry Hama did something similar for Hasbro regarding the GI Joe team, which you know, I think that book is probably good enough to to get its own episode someday. So I won't get too far into the weeds. Um, but besides writing the, the comic book for Marvel, Hama also wrote every character file on the, on the back of the box that went into toy stores. Hmm. And like Cobra is snake themed because Hama basically dusted off a proposal he had done for a shield series. So Cobra is really just Hydra. <laughs> Except no, that makes, more, that makes sense. More specifically, snake themed <laughs> <laughs> but like you know marvel like, like you say like they get nothing for the lore in you know transformers or gi joe i know that larry hama is still associated with like whoever you know holds the rights for gi joe at any given time but like you know marvel gets nothing for like what they contributed or whatever and it's kind of funny right for, for marvel as a company to go like boy it stinks to create all this all this intellectual property and then other people get to use it, and we don't we don't get to own any of the rights, right? Like oh my gosh, of, what are the odds? It's <laughs> so weird. They're so close to figuring it out, right? But yeah, <laughs> draw them a map with breadcrumbs, and they still wouldn't get it. Yeah. So, in a preface to the first issue, Jim Shooter, Yay! our hero, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> explain. I mean, he's all over this whole period, so he's going to appear in every episode. Um. So, so Jim Shooter explains that he was tasked with developing a new fantasy series from Marvel to serve what was perceived as an untapped audience. Presumably this audience was made up of people who were not already reading Conan the Barbarian, Red Sonja, King Conan, or Call the Conqueror. And, you know, to be fair, those were also titles that were licensed by Marvel. And they, they didn't actually own any of those characters. Mm. Um, Shooter gathered together Mark Gruenwald and Ralph Macchio, uh, the Marvel editor, not the Karate Kid, to help him develop the concept for the book and tasked John Romita Jr. to design the characters. And then Shooter handed the actual book over to writer-slash-editor Joe Duffy with the first issue drawn by Brett Blevins, and most of the following 10 issues drawn by Ricardo Villamonte. It's kind of interesting that uh, John Romita Jr. did the designs because like his style as it develops in like the later 80s and you know into the 90s, it sometimes looks like the people are sort of like carved out of crystal, if you know what I mean. Like <laughs> they're very, very angular. And like I like that style, right? But it just, it's very okay. funny, the idea that like, if you look at like his Spider-Man or whatever from like the late 90s, it's like, oh yeah, like Spider-Man is made out of crystal himself it's just a funny coincidence but huh. um so because i am a, a gym shooter obsessive um i'm going to post a screenshot of his preface on our uh, social media that's at iron age of comics whichever platform you find the least um heinous you <laughs> will, will be there um the preface thing is is sort of an interesting like behind the scenes thing just of every editor-in-chief of marvel since stan lee or like I guess between Stan Lee and Jim Shooter, they really tried to like sort of imitate the Uncle Stan, you know, style of hype, you know, all the the language. It was basically like Stan Lee is still writing it, and everybody can do, you know, a, a halfway decent Stan Lee impression if they try. 
Except for Jim Shooter, because he either like <laughs> did he, he either could not or he just like decided not to. But like he has a very like, different communication style. And I've read, you know, a million bullpen bulletins that he that he wrote over the years to have sort of committed this to memory. Um, I actually had an epiphany about his sort of communication style or his hype style um, over Halloween, weirdly enough. So I was watching uh, Poltergeist with my son. He had never seen it before. And you know that scene where Craig T. Nelson and he's like showing like that other couple like through one of the model houses and stuff. And he's doing sort of like the salesman thing, but he's sort of also like giving it to you straight, you know, mm-hmm. that's Jim Shooter. I think like that, like I, I had like a very sudden picture of like, oh yeah, that's, that's what he does is that he sort of like has this, this, um, preface that's like, yeah, you know, like the president, you know, the, I don't know what the, his title was, but you know, the, one of the head guys in the business department at Marvel said, we should do a fantasy thing. We should make a toy and in, tie into a toy line later. And Jim Shooter was like, okay, kids, but like, they just wanted to do whatever kind of cheap toy thing. But like, I wanted to make a good story. You know, I wanted to, yeah. I said like, let's do it right. Right. So he's, he's very much that kind of like, Hey kid, let me, let me give it to you straight. I'm going to, I'm looking out for you. Right. And that's just <laughs> a totally different style from the Stanley. Like everything's great all the time. The huckster. kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway, I'm done talking about Jim Shooter. I promise for the next. <laughs> no, you're not. Ten <laughs> minutes. Just... I'll, I'm going to start the timer <laughs> for ten minutes. <laughs> but... So the elevator pitch for the story of Kristar, the Crystal Warrior. <laughs> we <laughs> I, just saying that out loud is so weird. <laughs> um, so we have the planet Crystallium, where all the animals are dragons, and there don't appear to be any trees. But there are people. A generation ago, there was a big war between the forces of order and the forces of chaos, where chaos was soundly defeated. But the next phase of the war is about to start. An evil wizard named Zardath, you can tell he's evil because his name begins with a Z, <laughs> turns the crown prince Moltar, convenient, into a gigantic magma man who leads an army of molten warriors. And in retaliation, the good wizard Ogiote turns the other crown prince Crystar and his most trusted knights into crystalline humanoids. Action and adventure ensue on a largely bi-monthly basis, but the title would only last 11 issues. It's kind of a weird setup, to be honest. And even with a small toy company adding to the publicity, it, it didn't really start any fires. Marvel did try, though. So for this episode, uh, I I asked you to read four of these issues. Mm -hmm. The first one, just to get the basic premise and lay of the land, and then the three crossovers the book had with the regular Marvel Universe. In issue number three, Kristar and a character named Ika end up in Doctor Strange's mansion and get attacked by Molten Men. In issue number six, Nightcrawler of the X-Men visits his sorcerer girlfriend, Amanda Sefton, and accidentally teleports to Crystallium. And in issue number 11, featuring the final showdown between Order and Chaos, Northstar, Puck, and Shaman of Alpha Flight inexplicably take part. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I thought these would be a little more familiar and easy to read for you, although (laughs) issue... Number five during Assistant Editor's Month was good-natured, silly fun. What did you think? Um, so first of all, just to just to get out of the way, get it out of everybody's system. Um, you have Planet Crystallium. You have <laughs> yeah. Prince Crystar. 
uh-huh. turn into living crystal. Like, what are the odds, right? So. <laughs> yeah, it's sort so, of predestination, yeah. huh? <laughs> right. So yeah, so we're we're gonna put that aside, right? Because that's that's a that's an easy shot, right? Um, one of the other weird things about it is that they sometimes they the characters say that they've been turned into living glass, and glass and crystal aren't really the same thing, but they're it's treated like it is. Like the like crystal glass is not actually crystals, but they seem to be minerals. I was I was very confused about like the mineralogy of of what is going on, and like Googling this turned out to be a somewhat more complicated distinction than I assumed. Yeah, well, I I think. Crystal is is naturally occurring, or I think it, it may just refer to certain kinds of geological structures, like how minerals form, mm. um, like gems uh, form crystals. I think like like how the molecules are shaped, or something like that. And glass, however, is is manufactured out of sand, right? Which technically is made up of really tiny, tiny, tiny crystals. So. <laughs> sure. Um, so the crystal warriors are supposed to be super strong and durable. So I think the living glass thing is, is just poetic license. Cause if they were glass, they wouldn't be much help. Against yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be very, very useful. Pe- um, volcano people. <laughs> right. Um, one of the things that sort of struck me is that like the, the, the conflict, right. Is rounder than just like the Autobots just, and Decepticons or like the, the, the Joes and the Cobras, it's like because a Moltar, right, isn't like an evil for evil's sake kind of guy, like like Skeletor. Like, like Skeletor has no, I'm sure in like later versions he has some sort of like you know <laughs> origin and backstory and stuff. But like as as you know in the like the cartoons or whatever, Skeletor just like likes being evil. That's in fact a, a plot point of the, the Christmas <laughs> special, right? <laughs> yeah, he like he just likes being evil. Whereas like Moltar. like his his turn to the dark side is just sort of like a a, a series of bad breaks. Really, like he's. He just sort of like the less popular brother, you know, like Chris Star is literally mm-hmm. like the, the fair haired boy. Right. And yeah. <laughs> and like, it's, it's not like he's like inherently sneaky or whatever. He's just like, everybody's like less favorite brother. And then when there is sort of like the, you know, who's going to take the throne, there are sort of like little disputes and like, there's some fighting that sort of gets out of hand. And yeah, it's, it's, it just, it's, it's very funny that for, we usually think about these toy lines being about good versus evil. And that's not, really what's going on here yeah there's some surprising nuance in this setup uh and that's jim shooter giving us a good story yeah obviously <laughs> it's it it really is important that moltar is Kristar's brother in some ways it's it's a precursor to the, the loki thor dynamic in the mcu where they still care about one another but but have like picked sides in this cosmic war uh, mm-hmm. somewhat by accident on, on Moltar's side but they're kind of stuck with this situation now and Moltar kind of makes half-hearted attacks which is why like I, in midway through the the series Zardeth uh introduces a new set of of minions the the tribesmen of the Malachite Hills which we skipped over that issue, but they do appear in in number eleven, and yeah. that's kind of the climactic battle. Rather than Kristar versus Moltar, it's it's Kristar versus uh, Malachite, the leader of the the tribesmen. So yeah, it, it. I was expecting to not like these all that much on the reread. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, thirty years after or more since the last time I read them, but <laughs> they actually weren't that bad. Yeah, I have to admit, that, like, I'm not a big like fantasy 
reader guy, and that's not like a strongly felt thing that I have. It's just like, oh, I just don't really respond to it in the way that people, you know, I I tried playing Dungeons and Dragons once, and I'm like, no, I I, I get it, just not just not for me or whatever. But yeah, yeah. there was there's like there's like some like palace intrigue in, in this and stuff that's kind of, um, it's definitely like more complex than it needs to be for oh yeah right and, and I, but but like in, a, in a good way and i think that's like like you said like there's a I, my 10 minutes are not up but i'll, I'll mention his name again <laughs> it is sort of like a jim shooter thing about like i it's not just enough to say like if you told jim shooter we're just going to do good guys and bad guys he would go like well okay but like maybe we can make a better story out of this i don't know um i and like i'm giving too much credit maybe to, to shooter here because like joe duffy has put in like a lot of commitment to like building these characters out of, you know, what could be sort of like interchangeable warriors and develops really sort of a, a playful sense of humor throughout the series, but also like not goofing on the premise. Like it's taken seriously. It's just that like people have a certain like warmth and um, camaraderie to them. Yeah. There's an extended sequence in issue number five, which I didn't make you read um, where Christopher actually plays soccer so it's clear that like Duffy's having fun, but there are some genuine stakes at play in this series. There's a, some life and death struggles. Um, it's not quite as brutal as, as Conan or co-conqueror <laughs> type stuff, but yeah, there's, there's a little bit more going on beneath the surface than there, like you say, than there necessarily needed to be given this was, you know, pitched primarily at eight year olds. <laughs> like, just my age at the time. And it's interesting interesting because like the so the, the uncle character who's uh Feldspar. Mm-hmm. He yeah, another tried, <laughs> <laughs> on the nose names. Yeah, he so he tries to keep like a neutral perspective. And in fact he gets both wizards to like do him up so he's like half crystal and half lava, which it just seems difficult to live your life, but I admire his commitment to, to, you know, to, to his nephews. Right. But notice it's top half crystal, bottom half molten. I'm not so sure. I'm not sure if that's he's better He's sending a message. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I, you're, you're totally equal in my eyes, except the molten part is the ass. So. <laughs> this is not the Star Trek black and white aliens right. where they're down the middle. Yeah. Left and right. It's top and bottom. So yeah. Again, if if I'm if I'm if I'm sitting behind a desk, I'm on Christar's side, <laughs> yeah. obviously. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, but that that is, you know, and there's a there's a bit in there where like you say, like Moltar is, you know, he he's sneaky, but he's not really trying to like cause total chaos. Like he he attacks in one issue. I, I had to read a few more issues. Oh, um okay. he did like a, he's a, like attacks the the city or or whatever, right? And um, or he, he doesn't attack the city. He like marches on the city and Kristar is like suspicious of this. So like attacks and then Moltar points out like, well, I didn't really attack the city. If you, if you noticed, like I, I showed up and uh, as a result, Feldspar like banishes Kristar. Yeah. Yeah. For most of the series, Kristar and his team are exiled from the, the capital city Yeah, there, which is not your, your standard fantasy setup. Like Prince Adam and uh, Man at Arms are are chilling at at Castle Eternia or whatever, and then they spring into action whenever Skeletor attacks. This is like Kristar and, and his friends have been booted from the city that they have changed their physical forms in order to defend. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, there's it, it. It's unfortunately I think that attempt at nuance um, 
didn't lead to actually terribly compelling stories, unfortunately. <laughs> There's a lot of like wandering around and just kind of like stumbling into situations. Mm-hmm. And this, the stakes aren't really very clear in this cosmic battle between good or not even good and evil. It's between order and chaos, which is more abstract than good and evil. So I think that's part of the reason why it never really caught on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, definitely like if I'm, you know, a, a kid playing with toys, I want to have the bad guy be the bad guy and not like, you know, sitting down to like a philosophical debate about how we're on opposite, you know, we're on similar but opposite sides of the same <laughs> same battle here. <laughs> we are two sides of the same coin, Kristar, don't you see? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, th- there is, though, this is a, a series that like, it when it gets canceled, they apparently have enough, you know, warning ahead of time where it doesn't just sort of end in the place where like Masters of the Universe always just sort of has like a, you know, there, there's no ending to that, right? It just goes on yeah. and you just add more and more action figures to the to battle <laughs> over time. This actually has like a, by issue 11, they actually have an end to the conflict and, you know, the, the evil wizard is defeated or the the, or the chaos wizard is defeated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying evil, but it's not good and evil. We have it's to be precise. In, we can't. We're in chaos, right? So. We must use the terms we are given. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, but, but by the end, like Moltar is actually forgiven like he says he says he basically says like you know what this got out of hand i renounce my you know claim to the throne and i will be you know a, a dutiful servant of Kristar. I'm, I'm sorry for for all this and he actually gets turned back into a a normal guy but he's sort of punished because he also doesn't get to be with his new lava-based girlfriend uh, <laughs> lavour La, La right because like she yeah. is he is a human now and like she is lava and like obviously that can't happen um one thing just throughout i admire the comics concession to realism that it, it's acknowledged that like lava is actually really hot even if you're not like directly touching it you know like like like, like in movies and stuff there's off, it's often like well if you're six inches above the pool of lava <laughs> yeah. you're fine right whereas like yeah. it would actually be cooked like this this series actually acknowledges that like the reason that these guys have to be crystal is because crystal can stand up to to lava so like i, I admire that right yep um I was, I have to say, absolutely scandalized by Lavour, if that's how you pronounce her name, in this in this, is, yeah. in this in this code approved comic because she is drawn very voluptuously and is like basically naked, but she's all made of lava, so that's you know it's not there's there's no detail, right? There's no, it is not a yeah a Doctor Manhattan thing going on. So I, I don't like technically Lavour is not drawn any differently than half a dozen superhero characters, and yet, yeah, <laughs> it's it's um weird how they could get away with that, but yeah, um, I, I yeah I will I will I will say no more there. I will for the, the people who who want to look into Kristar for their own <laughs> for, for for their own edification, ends. yeah, edification. <laughs> um, that's something you have to look forward to. Um. So yeah, t- tell me about the toys because I never, I never had any of these. Um, I was a He-Man kid, and mm-hmm. and, and and because of that, I know to uh, tell you that you said Castle Eternia, and it's actually Castle Grayskull. So you lose five points in our. <laughs> well, they don't live at Castle Grayskull. They live in the city well, they, of. They, the... Yeah, they live in the, the palace, but. Yeah, that's what I was pa- referring okay. to. All right, all right. I, I will. I mean, he's a he's a king, King Randor. <laughs> king he Randor lives in a castle, right? Oh, okay. I'm I'm sorry. I, I, we don't actually have to compete in our 
<laughs> are matches the nerd universe. Nerd. And you say you don't like fantasy, but you like He Man. Well, He-Man well, is totally so fantasy. I, I will. I will say it. So we, because you were talking about Conan too, like He Man and Conan, I feel like are kind of because they, they're both sort of like the barbarian thing. Even though He Man is not very barbaric, I guess. But yeah, like his his mom and dad are the king and queen, and like he's just off doing his yeah. own thing and yeah, you know, punching out goons or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> So, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the 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 toys. What what are so what I they like? yeah. I've, I actually had a few of them. They're they're probably gone by the time you were actually started to play with toys <laughs> of this nature. Um, I had Kristar, Moltar, and Warbo. Hmm. Warbo and the rest of the figures were the standard like Star Wars three and a quarter inches or three and three inches, whatever the heck the measurement is. But they were Star Wars sized. Hmm. But Kristar and Moltar were slightly larger, like not He-Man size, but still clearly bigger than the average action figure, which was like they were pretty solid hunks of plastic. Um, the other figures included the two wizards, at least one more of the Crystal Warriors, and a generic Molten Man, and I think Feldspar got a figure too. And the crystal and molten dragons that appear in the first issue and yet never again also got toys. And I, I may be misremembering this. This has been, a, you know, um, several decades. <laughs> but I think there might have been a playset based around the palace, but I'm, I'm not sure. I might be making that up. They, I don't think there was ever a second generation of the toys. I think there was just the first set and then it didn't really catch fire so mm-hmm. um the gimmick as such was that the crystal warriors were kind of a see-through translucent plastic and i think each one was packaged with a prism that was shaped like a staff so you could like look through it and see light scatter into a rainbow sort of thing ah. but as this is still be before you know like the he-man special powers for each figure or the visionaries with their holograms or right. or whatever but yeah, I, and I I wonder if like a sort of like a lack of variety might have hurt the appeal of the toy line. And like I'm not like a I have no like marketing degree or whatever in 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 toy sales, but I, I wonder if like because like Masters of the Universe, right? They have like a lot of different types of characters with different features. You know, like you have there's B guy, right? There's this crab guy, there's big metal fist guy. There's there's you know the the, the eyes on antenna. Guy, I know all their all their names by the way, but I won't. I won't. Yeah, I know. Yes, so do I. But let's not embarrass ourselves by saying them. Yep. But like you know, so like there's a lot of different like different types of things, and like even if you don't know, you know, the lore, like you can imagine what the B guy would maybe be like and how he would fight or whatever, right? Yeah. Whereas like all of these, and I I, I did look up like some like you know pictures of the 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 toys, like they all seem to be sort of like you know a variation on like Crystal Guy. Or lava guy, and then yeah. the the wizards. Yeah, they definitely did not have the level of variation that that the the popular toy lines <laughs> did, like He Man, GI Joe, or Transformers. And like the the conflict between order and chaos is is not easily translatable to an eight year old. Right. Generally, <laughs> I mean, like I had read Lord of the Rings and 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 played D anD D, so I kind of understood law or order is good and chaos is bad but you know that's not always this case <laughs> <laughs> right so, um 
I don't know. It's not like he like he man and Skeletor. Like that's good and evil. You got a, a buff dude and a guy with a skull for a face. That's easy to grasp. But right, crook. It's like a a bat having its arch enemy be a clown. Like how is a crystal <laughs> and magma? Why are those diametrically opposed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I do wonder if there was just sort of like you know Jim Shooter and everybody like wanting to make this like a good story maybe sort of like lost sight of what makes a good story storyline or I don't know, <laughs> maybe yeah maybe there's they tried a little too maybe, hard maybe and this lost. Was just a swing and a miss but yeah yeah I, I do i do wonder if it's like just not simple enough for to translate into a line of toys or something but there's that's just my uninformed opinion despite having read a good no, half I think, of, of I think Chris you're informed as anyone is on the topic. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. I am now in like the, the top like tenth percentile of Chris Star <laughs> experts in the world, having read <laughs> six issues of this. <laughs> yeah, man, I didn't even read more issues than what I suggested you did. I was like, oh, I thought about doing it, and then I'm like, no, I there's not. I don't have that much time on my hands. I had I had, so, I had to read the the assistant editor's month one because just because oh, I, I love I love that gimmick yeah, right but yeah yeah that I do remember that being a fun issue that's where like the the castles transpose or they become next door to each other and hijinks mm-hmm. ensue yeah <laughs> so um speaking of like the the broader Marvel uh, experience like the Marvel universe appears to be like the dimension just next door to whatever realm that Crystallium exists in because like. You know, like they just, it, it's, it sort of happens by accident, right? It's just like you were yep. in, like you sort of, cr- like if you have magical powers, you might just sort of slip up and end up in the Crystar universe. But, <laughs> you know, but, but they, they show up and like, you know, I guess having, you know, Doctor Strange and, you know, Nightcrawler and stuff show up, it gives, you know, this, this comic sort of the, the seal of approval, right? I, maybe, <laughs> I mean, it's not like Spider-Man showed up, mm. but I, I think they're just trying to drum up sales. Like it was a bi-monthly title, which was how Marvel handed their their lower tier comics for many years. Like mm-hmm. like Daredevil was bi-monthly for a long time. Yeah, until uh, t- until Frank this, Miller came on. Yeah, yeah, and and despite the the legitimately gorgeous painted covers on every issue of Chris Dar, I I don't think it sold all that well, given that it folded after eleven issues. Yeah, yeah it, it seems seems like they they gave it like a real shot you know i mean with having yeah having the guest stars having having those i mean those covers are striking almost two years yeah and and that first issue is double sized no ads and i remember that um the the cover of marvel age number one they're sort of like in-house you know publicity oregon that had chris star on the cover just because i've I've, i had seen that cover so like they were really trying to put some kind of weight behind this so this was not this was not like just like a thing that like they sort of gave it to, you know, the office boy or whatever. And like, this is your first assignment. Like this was a real effort that they put together and it just didn't really cook up despite having few members of alpha flight show up. <laughs> <instrumental>. <laughs> like not even the whole team. Like, no, and not even the popular characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's weird. I, do you think that like, so the common denominator between like you know Nightcrawler and Alpha Flight is Wolverine. Like, did, did Wolverine? Yeah. When you talk to Nightcrawler and like he heard like, "Hey, let me tell you about my weird in a German accent. Let me tell you about my weird Saturday night." Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I went over to my girlfriend's place, and this story does not end up where you expect it to. <laughs> uh, right. So there's that, but there's also like when Wolverine goes to like the the Alpha Flight reunion, 
And they're like, hey, yeah, what have you been up to? And I was like, oh, yeah, I went to over to the, you know, three of us went over to the Crystar dimension. Do you, <laughs> do you think that, like, that Wolverine was like, wow, that's weird. They two got you know, two, two groups of people that I know. And then it never happens again, as far as as far as I know. If I had a nickel for every time someone mentioned <laughs> Crystal, the Crystal Warrior, I'd have two nickels. It's still not still, coincidence. It's still weird that it happened, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I don't think anyone ever told Wolverine <laughs> about this. <laughs> um, I don't think, I honestly don't think outside of these issues, anyone ever mentioned these adventures at all. And I think it's interesting, however, that when Doctor Strange, you know, the Sorcerer Supreme of the Earth Dimension, first meets Crystar, he's never heard <laughs> of Crystallium. <laughs> but... Amanda Sefton, the full-time uh, flight attendant and part-time sorceress, is not only aware of this fantasy world, but knows Ica specifically well enough to have opinions about her and her jewelry. <laughs> and then, like, Puck is so well-versed in chaos monsters, he instantly identifies one when it attacks, and when they end up on Crystallium. He's like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll help you fight chaos. I hate those guys. <laughs> yeah. Puck. <laughs> Puck. Puck's got some stuff going on. And like, but Doctor Strange is like, what? Well, who are you? Where are you from? <laughs> well, like, so he's... Okay, How so, do I send you back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they just basically crash his house and he's maybe just pretending not to hear. I, I, I don't want to deal with you guys. I'm just going to send you home. Or maybe it's that like, you know, being the sorcerer, sorcerer supreme, right? You're into like the mainstream dimensions, right? You, right. Know? you <laughs> now, got you got all, the, all this like important stuff to do. Amanda Sefton is like she's into like all the cool indie dimensions that you've never heard of. Yet. Dimensions. <laughs> right. I don't even own a crystallium. Yeah, yeah. exactly. exactly. <laughs> she's going to like the like the sorcerer's CBGB, you know, and like checking out <laughs> checking out the checking out the cool dimensions before you before before Doctor Strange has even heard of them. So <laughs> that tracks. I like that reading. I'm yeah, in five years, Doctor Strange is going to be like, "Oh yeah, Chris Dalium. Like I knew those guys before they were big, right? But he's a he's a poser, <laughs> right? <laughs> Doctor Strange, just the worst poser. So um, I can't stand Stephen. He's such a yeah. <laughs> so you know, in, incredibly, Rom is in the news, right? For the yeah. Marvel Universe, where like Rom is in play. Conan was out of play for a while, but then was in play for a while and then is out again. So I guess they can't yeah. reprint Savage Avengers ever. Until until like the, the licensing wheel comes back around to Marvel or whatever. Right. But, but like, so yeah, so like there are things that like Marvel can't reprint for for these reasons. But like Christar and, you know, the 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 Christar crew is what I believe they were called. <laughs> they weren't that's not true. Um yeah, they they're fair game for future appearances theoretically right yeah i theoretically i mean my understanding is that they never appeared again yeah until i guess hickman used them as part of the battle world for super secret secret super wars or, or whatever <laughs> it was called so like i think Kristar has appeared in comics again in the last decade which is just insane to me <laughs> um, i would almost think that there would be more of it just because like we're you know, like Marvel and DC are just like so intent on like strip mining things for ideas, and like every every comic is somebody's favorite comic, right? Like you, like you, you had fond memories of, of Chris Star. I'm sure there there were other people who would maybe like to take it. Like 
here's here's what I'm here's what I'm proposing, right? <laughs> yeah, proposing. Now, now, now that I'm in, in the top tenth percentile. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think like that, an expert. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Chris Star should join Alpha Flight. Because <laughs> Alpha Flight are like the national heroes now of of Crystallium, right? Right. So I think, yeah, I think next time that Chris Star is in the, the Marvel Universe, he should make a pledge for, you know, he should get some Canadian citizenship. I'm sure he can get dual <laughs> dual citizenship there. Yeah, I think I think this is, you know, I don't try to pitch a whole lot of stuff on the show, but like Marvel, if you want to talk to me, I know more about Chris Star than the average bear now. So, <laughs> so we, awesome. you know, we, 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 write, we write this together. This is a, this is a team effort because I never oh, would have. Sure. Sure. I never would. I never would have read this without you. So. Well, I've got the insight born from you know ages of expertise. You're you're the new, <laughs> the new yeah. juice. You yeah, got we, yeah, the, we got, you got, got the fire. I got the know how. Yeah, we can put we can make this happen. Sure. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's this is actually a great idea. Actually, I think so. Yeah, because I before I die, I want to see Kristar say a boot. That would be. <laughs> can the Kristar the Crystal Warriors eat, or are they? I, I don't. Yeah, the, I don't know. Because <laughs> they, because they could, because they could have poutine, right? <laughs> right. I think. Yeah. Well. Well. That would have to happen. So yes, <laughs> they must eat. Yeah. They're. They're. I mean, their their biology's got to be similar to Ben Grimm's, right? He's right. A, he's a rock person, and he eats and smokes and drinks and such. So theoretically, they do too. Although, what they eat on a planet without vegetation yeah that's weird i don't know maybe they eat rocks i don't <laughs> how do they the well, ecology so, is not worked out very yeah i don't know how so when they have fire because they have fire what do they is it coal is it just they're just, they're yeah. just burning coal Heat. all over this planet <laughs> i don't know it's weird like the the first issue with a completely different art style is, is very kind of fantasy basic like you got mm-hmm. your castles and your your toy dragons and your your hills and your your peasants and and everything but as the series progresses and villamonte comes on you get these weird vistas in the sky that are like very similar to the way like jim starling would draw space with like multiple planets or weird astronomical things going on and and just like these weird crystalline gross and in, in place of plants and stuff it's a very interesting look but i, I don't know that it's very well thought out mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe that's something we could plunge into <laughs> <laughs> right in this new series um where chris star joins alpha flight with his old friends um north star <laughs> yeah. who, who else is still on the team <laughs> Yeah, I, I would. Uh, yeah, actually, not, at this point, I would have to actually do more research about Alpha Flight <laughs> in the current continuity <laughs> than I would have to do research about Kristar. So I think, yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe we don't do that. <laughs> maybe we don't. So, um, any final thoughts on on Kristar or his saga or his Crystal <laughs> Warrior friends? Crystal Warrior, Crystal Crystal Warriorness. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was intrigued to read this, right? Because like I've never. It's, I, I think it's, it's fun on the show when one of us has to read something that like we haven't read before. Yeah. And there's sort of, cause like when we do like, like when, when we did Marvels, right. It's like, you really want to get Marvels right. You really want to get Batman year one, right. Right. Yeah. 
And it's sort of fun to like have something like this where you just go into it and be like, yeah, I'll, I'll read Kristar. I'll, I'll talk about Kristar for, for, you know, however, however long we've been going so far. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I, I, I enjoyed reading it. I do. I think you're, you're onto something about like the, uh, Villamonte's art style. And like, that could have been, like if, if this, you know, series had gone on for, you know, whatever reason, right. I think mm-hmm. that could have developed in some interesting, interesting ways. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's perfectly, you know, serviceable, you know, 80s uh, tie-in comic. I think maybe there was maybe too complex, like we've been saying, like a concept to grasp for, you know, you're playing on, you know, on your couch with the the good guy and the bad guy. But like, but you, you played with the toys. So like, obviously it, 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 ca- it captured your interest. Well, mostly I use them as like mutants working for Cobra to fight the G.I. <laughs> Joe team. So it didn't really, eh. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, this was one of those titles that I really liked when I was a young boy. And then my, when it got canceled, my brother would tease me about all the books I liked getting canceled. And mm-hmm. he wouldn't let me buy X-Men comics because he was afraid I would curse the X-Men and, and they would get canceled. <laughs> so I feel like I have exercised some some demons by, by presenting this series to the public and, and talking about it. And I don't have to be embarrassed about owning all 11 issues of Good Star <laughs> anymore. Or maybe I still need to be, but less so. I don't know. I got complicated feelings about this, I guess. Um, all right. I think that's a good fifth week event yep. episode. Yeah. We'll be back uh, next week for the first part of Watchmen, which is very different. From, from Christar, <laughs> so like just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, if you if you yeah if if you didn't like the Christar content, we got watching coming up. If you love the Christar content, we got the exact opposite coming at you in, <laughs> in one week. So yeah, hope you'll see us back for then. Um, you know, like I said, check us out on social media at Iron Age of Comics. You can email us at Iron Age of Comics. Nope. You can email us at Iron Age of Comics podcast. No, what is your email address? Maybe you won't even cut this part out. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna freely admit that I don't write my email address because you don't address. have to know your email address. Just I don't know your, it. Your I don't write to you on that. That's no. <laughs> true. It's iron. No, it's Iron Age Comics Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Um, I, I want to be. I want to be very clear about that because uh, Marvel, when you get in touch with us about <laughs> yes, Star rebooting Star. right? Yeah. Or you know, just just you know, any way that you want to get us this job, we are. <laughs> <laughs> we're hungry for the work so for sure yeah but we got other stuff to talk about we got Watchmen coming in a week so um, yeah we'll sign off for the uh, Iron Age of Comics I have been Justin Zyduck I've been Jim Cannon thanks for listening mm-hmm.